0: Say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown. Sean Tucker in the Orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game.
1: All across CNY. Kick
0: the tires and
1: light the fires, big day. It's the 3-1-5. Hardy
0: faking feet. He scores! He He scores!
1: Here's Brian Higgins.
0: Welcome in, everybody, on this Wednesday, game day, game night. Do we we care about those anymore? I've lost track. There's a basketball game tonight. Syracuse is playing in it. How about that? Syracuse is playing a basketball game. Should we talk about the actual basketball game today? I still have no idea. We'll figure that out. As we roll on throughout the show, we'll be talking to a couple people that will be in attendance at the basketball game today. A little perspective on the Knowles coming up at two thirty on the show. Jason Kasim, who is a Florida State reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat, where in Tallahassee? He'll join us coming up at two thirty. Tallahassee itself, very uh, a lot, it's a very concrete town. There's a lot of, it's just a lot of concrete there. It's warm, though. 80 today, so we're told. Coming up at 3.30, also in Tallahassee, friend of the show, Anish Shroff. He is on the call tonight on your ESPN, which tonight would be espn U, Anish, with uh, Jordan Cornette. Jordan does a lot of stuff there, doesn't he? He's hosting in the studio. He's analyzing. He's got a radio show. Busy guy. Went to Notre Dame. Mm. Mm-hmm. will hold that against him a little bit. Only a little bit. What's Notre Dame in the Big East days? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Notre Dame. Eh. He's okay. We like Jordan. He's friends with Anish. He's friends of ours. Anish will be coming up at three thirty. You know, initially, before I saw who was calling the game on television tonight, I wanted to talk to Anish this week about uh, lacrosse, and we will do that. But then it turned out he will be there, so we will also ask Anish this. Bayheim. We'll just yell Bayheim and. See what happens. So uh, that is uh, the plan as far as guests go on the program today. little Knowles' perspective with Asin Kasim from the Tallahassee Democrat at 2.30 and East Shroff ESPN at uh, 3.30. He's also the play-by-play voice is a niche of the Carolina Panthers. Perhaps we'll even ask him about their new head coach, Frank Reich, former Buffalo Bill backup quarterback of great regard. We'll see what we have time for when we get along to 3.30. Your calls as well. Phone lines are open. Whenever we're not doing that today at 315-437-7644. 4 ESPN 44. We know you know the number. We'd love to hear from all of you uh, here today. But this is um, this last, I don't even know how long it's been going on now. Week, month, year. i It's blurring together. This has been an exceedingly peculiar time in the history of Syracuse basketball these last a week? Has it been a week? Is it more than a week? I don't even know. I don't even know. It's it's gotten weirder and weirder here over the last three weeks, which is interesting for a lot of reasons. Like, we get it. We we know Syracuse's record is not what we'd all like it to be. What it has been at large in the past, 14-10, is, is not what the NCAA tournament standards are. It's not what Syracuse's standards are. But yet, we're all watching the games, and the games, maybe not early in the season. Like, there were some clunkers early in the season, like, hmm, what was that? But setting aside the Virginia Tech game a couple weeks ago, last weekend, win or lose for Syracuse, these games have been compelling. Like, they've been interesting basketball games. Now, have they been the best basketball? No. But they've been interesting. Interesting and good don't always intersect. Sometimes it's interesting because it's not perfect. But yet here, like the BC game, like that was a back-and-forth game. There were double-digit ties and lead changes in the game. What more do you want than that? You go back to these other games uh, of late, you know, the Miami game, the Carolina game, these, the Virginia game. Tight, interesting basketball games with interesting finishes. Now, we've debated those finishes <laughs> ad nauseum. But they were interesting. But now, the whole narrative has been uh, hijacked by all the uh, Jim Beheim, whatever the hecks, of the last week or so, where... We're, we're almost running on parallel tracks now, where the Jim Beheim stuff, retirement, not retirement, NIL, what other teams do we need to talk about? It has diverged from our basketball conversations. Joe Girard, Judah Mintz, Benny Williams. They they started in the same place and it kind of diverged around the Benny stuff. I think where you know initially that press conference last Monday was, was a question about Benny. It was a basketball question, and now whoosh, we've headed off. It's not even parallel tracks anymore; They're perpendicular, heading in opposite directions. But it's very interesting. Like I say, I say this uh, tongue in cheek, but do we care about the basketball game today? Like, of course we do, but it has not been the talk of town. And, you know, we opened the phone lines at 315-437-7644. You can call in with whatever you want. And we said this the other day. This was more in response to the fallout or the recap or the look back at the Boston College game. Happy to talk about the basketball. Happy to talk about the other stuff. And almost everybody who called wanted to talk about the other stuff. Which is telling. And the conversation topics around Jim Beheim. Who's the next coach? When is the next coach? Who isn't the next coach? Who wants to be the next coach? How much are they going to pay the next coach? When is this going to happen? Why? Who's in charge? Who's not in charge? Oh, well, it's all very interesting. But it's completely separate from the game tonight, it seems. Hopefully it's completely separate from the game tonight because it feels like something that if it is not completely separate from the game tonight can only affect the game negatively for Syracuse. Now, everybody has said all the right things. Well, after the fact, everyone has said all the right things about, you know, uh, Jerry was on Orange Nation earlier. We had uh, Griff was on Orange Nation yesterday. We had Red on this show on uh, Monday. We asked all of them, you know, okay, there's a lot of stuff. Over here, and there's a lot of basketball over here. Those places are different. How are you keeping one away from the other? You know, everybody said said all the right stuff, but uh, we'll see. We shall see. Like, the, the players ain't deaf. Like, they, they're aware of what is going on here. Now, does it change how practices run? No. Does it change that there'll be 40 minutes on the clock tonight, starting at 7 o'clock? No. Does it affect the team at all? I don't know. I'd like to think not, because you know all this stuff isn't actually. It's not debate about the guys. It's not debate about the play. It's not debate about any of that stuff. You know, if I didn't know better, I, mean, I don't. I don't think Jim Beheim would do this. It would stun me if he would. It's. Accidentally been a great diversionary tactic, right? Like we've been we've been gnashing our teeth for weeks about oh my goodness, Joe Gerard, what is he doing? And Judah Mitz, oh, oh, what has he done at the end of a game? And Benny Williams. Ah Like I can't even you can't even form a question about that. We're not even talking about it anymore. It's wild. He like erased it from the map in the span of half a week. And draw all the attention onto himself. Like if it, if I thought that part was anyway intentional, that that would actually be borderline genius to have been able to uh, to do that. Maybe he did. Hall of Fame tactics, because it has completely you know better or worse taken the attention away from Syracuse's shortfalls on the court this year. Of which, as we know, there have been plenty. But we'll watch tonight and. We'll see two teams that have had, in their own ways, very peculiar on-court seasons. Like, here are the Orange, man, oh so close, oh so close. I know BC's not great, but we talk about, oh, minutes can't close the game. Well, he closed it pretty darn good on Saturday. Can he go do it on the road again against Florida State here tonight? There's Florida State, who's been a very, very, at minimum, and this is probably shortchanging them, A very, very solid ACC basketball club for the last decade. Very solid, and it points beyond that. And then this year, I'd say beyond solid, consistent. Consistent. The names changed a lot. The names of Florida State players, you know, while they made the league and whatnot, they weren't. Celebrated a lot or known very well, even though they had some very good players, they just... Leonard Hamilton played so many guys, like there were so many of them floating around there, it was impossible to keep track of all of those guys. Like sometimes they'd have an NBA guy that was playing just as much as, you know, seven other guys. You're like, all right, okay, whatever. But this year, you know, they start one and like, Whoa, what happened there? But they, they're seven, not that it's great, they're seven and seven cents, so, you know, they're completely out of it out of whatever it is, they're eight and sixteen. But seven and seven over the last two months. You know, they're a five hundred team. This is not a gimme game for the Orange tonight, but it is a and it is an actual basketball game. We are going to talk about actual basketball tonight. I think we'll talk about actual basketball certainly during the game. That it's up to the other powers that be what we'll be talking about in the you know half hour hour after the after the game is over. We talked about actual basketball right after the game on Saturday. And then uh, about an hour and a half after that, oh boy, we spun out into a ditch, something fierce, and haven't been able to climb out of it. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how, how that goes, because this is a legit game tonight. We talk about, can the Orange get on track down the stretch here? Seven games left. Can the Orange get on track? We beat BC. Florida State has not been great, mean, this is a very gettable game tonight. And you look at this league, no game this weekend, and you, you get into next week, Like there's, there's tough games remaining, like at Pitt and at Clemson. Are, that's nothing to sneeze at, but in normal years, oh, man, Duke's coming here. That's a hard game. Not that it's easy. They're very talented, as we know, but like they can't win road games. Duke has been miserable on the road. That games in the Dome. NC State's been very good. They're here on Tuesday night. Games in the Dome. Georgia Tech in the Dome. The Orange have already whooped up on Georgia Tech, closed it strong, and then Wake at the end of the year. Wake had a great performance against North Carolina last night in Winston-Salem, but, you know, who knows in this league? Like, you look at the last seven games, and you talk about the actual basketball and the actual basketball court, and they're all very gettable games, at least the home games uh, for sure at Clemson and at Pitt. In my mind, and this is strange to say when you still have Duke on the schedule. Uh, at Clemson is one of the hardest games you got at Pitt. You no, know, 15 years ago we say at Pitt. Yeah, of course. But this year the last month and a half they're getting back to that. But we'll have to see how it goes tonight. Like what then there's it's the two things. Like there will be a basketball game Then after the basketball game, Jim Beheim will have a press conference. And people will ask him questions. And I am just going to head out on a kooky limb tonight and guess that some of those questions are not going to be about the basketball game. Just going to take a wild, wild guess at things that some of the questions tonight, maybe even the first question, not going to be about the basketball game. And depending on how that goes, uh, we'll we'll see how what uh, we're talking about when we arrive here at the office tomorrow. <laughs> because uh, things have changed a lot recently between what we thought we'd be talking about at the end of the basketball game and what we were actually talking about an hour later. I would presume that nothing's going to catch on fire at Jim's post-game press conference tonight. But after Saturday's game, I didn't think anything weird was going to happen either. And yet, here we be. Here we be. So I got no idea which way it's going to go tomorrow. And then, God forbid, Syracuse loses tonight. That could send us back on some uh, previous topics. But, you know, all in all, we'll get into the actual basketball of it uh, as we move on throughout the show here today. But this is setting up to be a good game for the Orange tonight. You're going on the road against the Florida State team that has been anything but consistent uh, this year. If you're Syracuse, you are playing compelling games. You're 100% playing better basketball than you were a month, a month and a half ago. Like, if the Orange are going to do anything, anything like making something like a run here down the stretch, all right, you beat BC on the road, go beat FSU on the road. Go beat the bottom five teams in the league. Go do it. And the Orange have done that this season. It's weird. Like, Virginia Tech is one of those teams right now, but are they, like, that's, they are the enigma of the league in that because of the losses they compiled when their best player was out. But besides that, the Orange are taking care of business at the bottom of the league. It's very important right now. The Orange are sitting kind of on that nine seed at the moment in that 8-9 range in the league. Like the actual basketball of it, the Orange are, yeah, right now they are tied for eighth in the league with North Carolina. So if the ACC tournament starts at this very second, all let's see, can I count? Yeah, the orange are tied for eighth with North Carolina, so Syracuse would be the nine seed if the ACC tournament started at this very second in life and would be playing a North Carolina team that's got a lot going on in that uh, in that day two first game. Florida State, you know, in normal circumstances, like this is what we're talking about. Wow, Syracuse and Florida State. Syracuse is seven and six in the league. Florida State is six and seven. The orange are the last team to get a bye in the ACC tournament as of right now. Florida State's the first team not. Like, in the standings, this is a vital game for Syracuse tonight. Vital. Now, we haven't even thought about it yet because of all the other stuff swirling around. It is wild. It is wild. Like, every other year of Syracuse basketball, no matter what in the high holy heck is going on, we would have noticed that before right now. Nobody has brought that up this week. Nobody. I didn't even quite realize it literally till this second, and I've been looking at the standings today. Because there's just so much stuff going on. And hey, we're pro stuff going on. Stuff going on keeps the lights on around here. But it, it is just so wild how far away the stuff that's going on is from the games that are currently happening on the court while the games are currently happening. Never seen anything like this with a Syracuse basketball team. Usually, like, when there's crazy stuff going on, it's generally related to the stuff that's going on on the court in some way in <laughs> this week. Essentially, not at all. Wild, wild stuff. With that, we'll take a break. Hear a little bit uh, from Jerry when we come back. Uh, Jerry was on Orange Nation earlier today. We'll uh, take a little listen into that. Your phone calls as well, through 5437 First guest will be coming at 2.30. and Kasim of the Tallahassee Democrat will join us. Then, Anish Sharaf, who's got the game tonight on ESPN, you will be by at 3.30. That's the show. There's the show today. We're back after this at SQSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.
1: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins.
0: Here I am. Here we are rolling along. It is a Wednesday afternoon in the QS. Quite a nice day about town, is it not? It's not the uh, mid-70s of Tali but we'll... We'll take 45 and sunny. Check your sump pumps, though, people. It's a lot of melting, melting stuff. Three oh five four three seven seventy six forty four 437 7644 for ESPN 44. We'll talk to Essend Kasim of the Tallahassee Democrat coming up at the bottom of the hour. But right now, we will head to the phone lines and bring in Steve from North Syracuse. Steve, how you doing?
2: Uh, well, I've been looking at the standings myself. i um, it, to me it was heartbreaking last year that our streak of winning seasons ended especially if you look at the like the last minute or two of that Miami game in the dome cuz that could have clinched it the 31 game regular season so if you can get to 17 wins, you know you're not going to lose more than two games uh, in in the postseason. So that means you've got a you've got a uh, winning season, and we just missed it as as by the narrowest margin imaginable last year. This year, uh, my goal was to get another winning season, and you know there are goals beyond that, but to reach any of them, you've got to first get yourself a winning season, and. Um, We're here, we're standing at 15, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 14 wins right now, so we need three more in the last seven games to clinch a winning season. And Looking at the standings uh, of the seven games, two of them are against teams lower in the standings than we are. Florida State is one, Georgia Tech's the other. And the other five teams are all higher in the standings than than we are. You mentioned Duke has been a lousy road team, so that might be our best chance to get the other win. But, but that's what I'm going to be rooting for the next few weeks because I, I don't think the potential of this team – is to go much beyond that. Maybe we can uh, pull off a miracle in the ACC tournament or someday I'd like to win the NIT if if we do wind up in it. But uh, probably uh, starting a new streak of winning seasons is the only thing we're likely to get done this year, and it looks like it's going to be a close thing.
0: Yeah, Steve, you you said looking at the schedule, and if you break it down there. um, Tonight, even though it's a road game in Georgia Tech, uh, who you've already beaten by 17. Those are, in theory, uh, the two easiest games left. It, it does sound weird to say, Stephen. you said it. Like, Duke has been, I mean, Duke just got uh, crushed. I mean, Miami's really good, but Duke got crushed by Miami on Monday. and They've been uh, just horrendous uh, away from Cameron this year, so not that you can pencil that. NC State, uh, you never know with NC State. They've been very good of late. I, I think at Clemson and at Pittsburgh, that's a very tough back-to-back. And then, you know, Wake Forest is pretty good, but... Uh, that's the day you're retiring, Jerry and Hack. Hopefully you get a little uh, bump from that. So I don't know. Like I, I, I feel that they're going to get the, at least three, Steve. That's my personal uh, sense of it. But you're right. Looking at it, it's, it's a far from a lock here right now.
2: Yeah, if we could have held on, then uh, uh, we would have still had the streak intact, and we could have tied the UCLA next year and passed them the year after that for the all-time record for the winning season streak. But that's by the boards. We're going to have to wait another uh, fifty-four years to to be able to do that, and I don't think most of us are going to be around then.
0: Uh, yeah, that would be, and uh, Steve, as always, thanks for the call. That would be a, that would be a healthy wait, uh, fifty-four years. Um. You know, might be able to pull that off. Might be able to pull that off if Syracuse can win uh, every season between now and then. That would, that might be trickier itself than the fifty-four years. But yeah, you know what was it? It was Forty-six years in a row or something. Uh, last year with the, or it was longer than that because yeah, it was long. Jim Beheim was forty-six years. The streak went uh, beyond that of, of uh, winning seasons. So that was tough to see that go by the boards uh, last year. The Orange were trying to save it in the ACC tournament down the stretch and ended up sixteen and seventeen uh last year and now here sitting at 14 and you 10 say why why is that a, a question like if you're gonna make well because you can look at all these games like i can look at all these games and say yeah i can Syracuse beat be florida state yeah nc state sure duke's been bad on the road sure at uh, you know clemson yeah it's clemson basketball of course you can be clemson pittsburgh yeah, yeah you can be pittsburgh uh, Georgia Tech, yeah. Wake Forest, yeah. I can look at all seven games and come up with a way Syracuse wins them. I can also, this year, look at all seven games and say, whew, road game at Tallahassee, that's never easy. NC State, they're playing really well. Duke, well, Duke's always hard. At Clemson, nobody's winning at Clemson this year. At Pittsburgh, are you kidding me? You're getting crushed by Pittsburgh. You're going there? After what Bayheim said, their student section, <laughs> the beat is going to be wild. It's going to put the MCW bathrobe season to shame. Georgia Tech, Well, you know, that game was kind of close with 10 minutes to go. That's the toughest one to come up with, a way for Syracuse to lose. And then Wake, like, well, I watched Wake play a little bit last night, and they just took Carolina out back in the woodshed. So you can look at it the other way and say, oh, my goodness. And that is the intrigue here of this Syracuse basketball season. You'd prefer the intrigue to be, are they going to get a four seed or a five? Like, you'd prefer that. That's not what it is this year. But there is intrigue about all these games. You can't tell me tonight, Link, Syracuse is a better team than Florida State. I feel reasonably certain of that fact. But you can't tell me we're going to tune in tonight. It's just going to be a whole Hummer 12-point win and nothing interesting is going to happen. That has not at all been the way of the season, which is good. You're watching fun basketball, interesting basketball, but bad because you're not watching great basketball. And That's just kind of where we're at right now. With that, little we'll a break. Justin yes, Kasim, Tallahassee Democrat, covers the Seminoles. That would stand to reason. He joins us when we come back. He'll tell us about this Knowles team. What are they? I don't know. I don't know at all. We're going to ask him when we come back on QSportstalk.com and ESPN Radio.
1: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportstalk.com. Let's get it. All across central New York, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins.
0: Here we are, rolling along Wednesday afternoon. It is a game day, people. It is a basketball game day, and it is an hour of this program brought to you by William Atar. Hurt in a car? Call William Atar, 444-4444. It's also an hour brought to you by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks and by ICM Controls, steadfastly working on picking the two winners of the $10,000 ICM Controls Impact Scholarship going to local members of the class of 2023. Well, right now, I have enjoyed this, and I've mentioned this before. They're not the only place doing it, but they're the place where it catches my eye the most, Syracuse.com. On whatever day there was 20 years ago, a Syracuse basketball game, they have just been simply reprinting the game story of the Syracuse basketball game from that day 20 years ago. Well, on this day, February the 8th, 2003, Syracuse was in lovely Morgantown, West Virginia, the WVU Coliseum with the mountaineer and his musket that he absolutely should not be firing off inside, scaring the ever loving crap out of everybody. Cause my goodness, that thing is it, it like at the football games is one thing. Like at the basketball games, like you'd brace yourself at halftime, especially you'd half forget about it at halftime, but you'd jump every time. And by you, I mean me. I would jump every time. You would have too. But uh, the Orange were down in in Tallahassee. They were down in Morgantown on uh, February the 8th, 2003. And oops, down 16 in the first half. Oh, boy. Down 16 in the first half. And then Jim Bayheim threw on the press. Jeremy McNeil changed the game. Orange rallied back. Actually, uh, down 16. They went from down 16 to up 8 in the matter of, like, Ten minutes in the first half. And then in the second half, instead of trotting out, Craig Forth to start the second half. Jim Beheim mixed it up, went small, used the depth. Played this lineup, I believe, for the entirety of the second half. And how about how about these players? Jerry Jerry McNamary, Billy Edelin, Queth Dwayne, Carmelo Anthony, and Hakeem Wark. They were the roster in the second half, so Hack, I guess, was playing center in the zone. And ended up winning by 14 in West Virginia that day back in February of 03. Mello had a then-career-high 29 points. Jerry dropped a double-double with 14 and 12 assists. Hakeem and Philly each had 18 points. Gweth 20 had 11, five in double figures. And that's what the Orange did that day. Uh, back in the day, that was that was kind of early-ish John Beeline at West Virginia. They were, they were running primarily... A uh, one-three-one zone. Uh, they ran it a lot. The one-three-one. It's about that. I don't think it was on that team. And they had that tiny point guard, J.D. Collins. He was like the one in the back and just like ran around all over the damn place. Uh, but the orange were very good at throwing lobs over the top. Keem Ward got so many dunks in that building. It was just nuts. Like it felt like every time the orange played there, Hack got like fifteen dunks. But man, it uh, it remains fun to look back at the uh, 2003 season. The orange were cruising along. On this date, in 2003 with a win against West Virginia. We're going to continue looking back at that. Why? It's fun. It is fun to look back on uh, those games that the Orange won. And those players, honoring two of them coming up at the Dome in the final regular season game with Jerry and Hack for sure. And uh, be sure to stay tuned later on today for the Burdick Lexus and Burdick BMW postgame show. Me and Pauly tonight. My goodness, they're letting us in the room together. Whose idea was this? We'll be here after the game, taking your calls, breaking it down. Whatever's going to happen in the actual basketball game that happens on the actual basketball court at the Donald Tucker Center in the state capital of Florida, Tallahassee. We'll tell you all about that uh, after the game tonight at uh, 9 o'clock-ish. With that, we step aside. Hour 2, when we come back, we'll talk about the actual basketball game tonight. I think. Your calls as well. 315 437 7644 ESPN 44. Much more to come after this on QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio. Watch your
1: favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com All across CNY it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Uh, here I
0: am. Here we are. Roll along. Rolling along here on this Wednesday afternoon, this game day, talking cues, talking FSU, and we'll talk to the guy calling the game tonight. A- Andy Shroff will be with Jordan Cornett on your ESPNU, wherever you get your ESPNU's tonight. We got the game on the radio over on TK ninety nine. They've stolen Eric Divendorf from my post game show gosh Darn it! He'll be with Matt Park on the broadcast this evening over on TK. Pre-game here with X. Go listen to that, and then come back post-game here with me and Pauly after the game. All of that brought to you by our good friends at Burdick. With that, let's uh, let's get a little bit from outside of the Syracuse Direct basketball world. Here's the four one one. Hello, and welcome to
1: Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press one. <laughs> Oh wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. In the 315. And so you're gonna be doing that all week, right? Nah, no. yeah. It's time
0: for the 411 in the 315. Yeah, hey, right. what's going on in the sporting world at large is like we're neck deep in Bayheim and basketball, and Houston, Florida State tonight, but uh, some fellow named uh, LeBron James has now scored more points to the National Basketball Association than uh, anybody else that has come before, breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record uh, last night at in Los Angeles against Oklahoma City. I was about to say at Staples Center, it's called something else now. And it occurs to me, I have zero clue what it's called. So there is that. Uh, on the call for ESPN Radio last night, the former voice of the Albany Firebirds, Arena football league team. Now with ESPN radio. Mark here. Here's what it sounded the uh, last night on the radio.
1: Westbrook to James at the elbow. James turns. The crowd wants it. James free throw line. James Faye jumper God. NBA history in Los Angeles. LeBron James. A record that had stood for almost four decades. Now belongs to the King. 38,389 points and climbing.
0: And yeah, no end in sight uh, for LeBron. He, he he's 38. He I mean is he as good as ever? No, he's still pretty darn good. He's still pretty darn good. It's one of the best scoring seasons of his career. So uh, that that number is going to keep uh, right on going well past 40 and uh, who knows how far. We'll be caught sometime Maybe, you know, scoring in the league has changed uh, drastically here in the last few years, but you're going to have to uh, stay healthy and extremely productive for a very, very, very long time to catch him. Like, Tevin Durant is the next active scoring guy in the league right now, and I think he's around 26, 27,000. You know, he's just, I'm uh, just, you know, 10, 11, 12,000 back. That's it. Uh, that's it, and, you know. In the era of load management and resting and all this stuff, like guys' scoring averages are up, up, up. But total points, you're, you're going to sit out ten games, or you know Durant's hurt right now, or the whole thing. Like catching up is hard. Like Luka Doncic is scoring a lot of points this year. All right, that's great. Now go do that for the next eighteen years, and then maybe we can reconvene. Maybe we can reconvene, but LeBron. I'll say what you will but I, I, LeBron is an oddly controversial subject I I don't quite get all the kind con- yeah he's great like and and nothing no he's great he's been the best player in the league basically for the last 20 years you ever take I Jordan was great LeBron's great like anyone that doesn't think he's great I don't I don't know what to tell you um he's only the seventh guy ever to be the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, there have been seven guys ever to be the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Joe Fulks, y'all remember Joe? He was the uh, leading scorer in the league. Now, now maybe like literally on day one there was somebody different. I don't know. I don't know if Joe had a big you know first game of NBA history. Um, but uh, Joe Fulks was the leading scorer in the NBA the first two years of its existence and held that title from 46 to 52. Some guy named George Mikan. You know, past him. He did a lot of mic and drills. He had it for six years. Then right here in very old, our very old Syracuse, right here in the backyard, Dolph Shays uh, took over from George and was the all-time leading scorer in the NBA from 1958 to 1964. So shout out to Dolph. So that happened right down the road from here. The all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA, one of just seven of them, plied his trade a stone's throw from here about 60 years ago. After that, Bob Pettit took it for a couple of years, and then there's only been three guys that have been the all-time leading scorer in NBA history now in the last, what is it, almost 60 years. Wilt Chamberlain had it from sixty-six to 84. Kareem passed Wilt in 84. He's had it for the last 39 years. And now LeBron takes it now, and LeBron's going to have it for a good long time, we imagine. A good long time. Because for a while, didn't think like anyone could catch Kareem. Nobody caught him for a while. Jordan didn't get there. Kobe didn't get there. Carl Malone gave it a run. And, you know, Malone, who played like every game for years and years and years, it looked like he was going to catch him, but his body gave out late. Yeah, it's really hard. And LeBron, yeah, he's been hurt certainly more than he was earlier in his career and this and that. But he, he is just chugging along. Chugging along. Brian Windhorst of ESPN. I believe this is from a greenie earlier today um one of the mike greenberg programs greenie's on everywhere a lot. i heard brian windhurst on this very radio station earlier today but here's uh, brian windhurst nba reporter for espn and uh, how nobody has done what lebron has done for as long as he's done it lebron presents 20 years 20 of being a dominant player from front to back And people use the fact that he's lost six finals against him. It's actually one of his greatest factors because he so many times was defeated and crawled back
1: and carried a team back. That just the act of taking a team to the finals,
0: nine out of 10 years, like he did is incredible. So this is what I'll say. Never saw a player dominate more than Michael Jordan. Totally fine with you saying
1: that he's the GOAT, but nobody Nobody has ever been this great
0: for this long. I didn't know we were getting windy with such a funky beat behind him. Mm. That's spiced up the afternoon. How about that? Brian Windhorse and a funky beat talking about uh, LeBron. But yeah, I mean, say what you want about LeBron. LeBron has an oddly large amount of haters. I, I don't get it. Um, you know, he's great. But he's been doing this essentially from like day one in the league, though. Never forget. Never forget. Gosh darn it. That Carmelo Anthony outscored LeBron their rookie year. Never forget. Never forget. We'll take a break. Anish Shiroff, ESPN, has got the call tonight. Talk a little hoops, Talk a little lax with the Q-scrat himself. Anish, when we come back right after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.